What's up, everybody? Today's episode, episode six of Stats Don't Matter. We talk about how the NBA is lapping the sports world in social justice measures. Cameron Jarrell Newton, he's a New England Patriot. Tim, I know you're not a fan. Sorry, not sorry. Major League Baseball players are opting out because of coronavirus. The Oakland Athletics are having fans in their stands, but they're cardboard. And the main focus this week is going to be on the NBA because, Tim, it comes back at the end of the month. Yes, we're getting sports, basketball baby. back. Of course, as always, we're going to end the episode with What's in My Cup. This week, it's a hazy IPA from one of the industry's titans in Massachusetts and a pale lager from a Maine farm brewery. Thank you to all who have listened and for the continued support of the Stats Don't Matter podcast. Find Stats Don't Matter on Apple, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into the show. Welcome to episode six. We're going to get to the fast break now. These are the sports stories that are happening that we think you need to know. Tim, first up, NBA is letting players replace their names on the back of their jerseys with social mm-hmm. justice statements as the season restarts. And per Sham Sharani of The Athletic, the NBA Players Association is working with the league and Nike for how to accomplish this. Chris Paul, the NBPA president, said, we're just trying to continue to shed light on the different social justice issues that guys around the league continue to talk about. People are saying that social justice will be off of everyone's minds in Orlando. With these jerseys, it doesn't go away. Now, early reports are that there are going to be some rules, right? They won't be able Mm -hmm. to place the names of victims of police brutality uh, on the back of their jerseys, so maybe it'll be phrasing. Um, Mm -hmm. But even in spite of this, like the rest of the sports world today is is lagging so far behind the NBA in terms of social justice and listening Mm -hmm. to their players. Um, Look, the NBA already gets revenue from advertisements on their jerseys. No one else does that because they're afraid of the way it's going to look, even though Major League Soccer, uh, World Soccer, NASCAR, everyone is like, you want space in the uniform? Go ahead, pay me. Oh, you will? Oh, fantastic. We'll take your money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the NBA is just the next domino to sort of fall about that. Um, They allow players to speak their minds about the social justice initiatives that are going on and they allow them to make statements and the product, the reach, the audacity of the league, man, it is just refreshing. Yeah. I think, um, hopefully it's a trend that sort of picks up. I know the big argument is, you know, I turn on my TV to get away from the real world and get away from politics and all that. But unfortunately, a lot of these people come from backgrounds who are the most impacted by a lot of the things that are going on. So giving players the ability to, you know, not just shut up and play basketball uh, to get out and actually express some of their opinions and help drive the conversation. I mean, millions and millions and millions of people uh, of all kinds of backgrounds watch a lot of these sports. uh, And if it generates even a handful of conversations, I think it's a big win. Uh, Politically, I think we all know who's going to come out and express opposition. We all know that there's going to be a portion of the population who's going to um, claim to turn it off and not watch because they'd rather, you know, not be involved or by watching it, they're somehow being involved. Um, but I think eventually as this becomes the new normal, it is what everyone is going to do. You're going to be forced into awkward conversations and hearing things or reading things you may not want to see, but for the sake of progress, I think you got to kind of be forced in that direction. So the entire world is not going to turn off sports because they disagree with someone's stance on some form of 
social injustices or, or quality. So you either adapt or turn off your TV. And I don't imagine that many people actually turning off their TV. <laughs> yeah, if that was the case and everyone who didn't like something that a sports person did or a sports league did just like all canceled the league, then we wouldn't have any sports. But uh, guess what? We still do. So I'm guessing out of 330 million Americans, the majority of them didn't turn off their TVs. Right. We will see. Uh, Tim, Cam Newton is a New England Patriot, and I am here for it, as Rex Chapman says. Yeah. And he signs an incentive-laden deal worth up to $7.5 million a year. Now, Richard Sherman and I, we share the same stance in this. That I'm, yep. We're not really too happy about this deal because there's guys like Chase Daniels making something like $13 million a year. And if you take a yep. look at Jameis Winston and Cam's contracts combined, these are guys that were first number one overall picks. And, uh, oh, the combined, they make less than Chase Daniel does in one year. Yeah, so James Winston, I think, is a very, very different player from Cam Newton. Um, uh, I think without even having to pull up stats to compare the two of them. Uh it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not even it's not even close. So I'm going to refrain from making that comparison. It, it is it is very easy to say this starter, this starter versus this starter. Why are they not the same? Well, that's because this starter and this starter aren't even in the same ballpark. Cam Newton, I would put in the lower half of the top tier quarterbacks. Jameis Winston, I would put into the lower half of the middle to top half of the bottom tier quarterbacks. Uh, doesn't have the record to show it. Uh, it's just, it's just not there. Um, if, you ha if I had to guess, I think part of the conversation with Cam Newton was knowing that he's going to get paid a ton from Carolina going into this season because of the the exiting of his contract and, and that replacement. Um, and I think some of this is, look, you, you're coming off of a couple injury-laden seasons. Let's see how you do. Let's go ahead and incentivize this. And if you do well, we'll reward you with a long-term contract. Um, statistically, so... All things aside, I may not be the biggest Cam Newton fan, but I'm not totally against this move either. You've started seeing in recent years teams develop game plans against the Patriots. It was really difficult with someone like Tom Brady behind the center because he has some of the highest, if not the highest, football IQ in the league. Uh, he was able to make a lot of choices later in his career Uh as the skill set may have been falling off. Did he have the deep ball? No, it wasn't the same. Did the velocity fall off? Sure. But the man continued to make plays because of the what the, his ability to recognize what the defense was giving him and to capitalize on those. I think the trade-off between the two, Tom Brady was able to turn coal into diamonds in real time. Cam Newton is able to extend plays with his legs in a way that Tom Brady couldn't. You lose a lot of football IQ. You do lose some accuracy. You do lose a lot of leadership and experience when you bring in someone like Cam Newton. But he's a hulking man. That man is a huge, huge individual. He's, what is he? He's, he's 245 pounds. Um he gives you a different dynamic than what anyone has seen from the Patriots in like 20 years. So, and most of the league, to be honest. Yeah. So now you have to not only watch for what Josh McDaniels is going to come up the scheme for his 
running backs for his tight ends and his wide receivers which has always been something to kind of marvel at but then you also have the guy who's behind the line that also needs to be accounted for versus tom brady who was a different kind of risk um he took far less yards uh when it came to sacks um he recognized when a play was breaking down and would just go down. He has about a thousand yards. And if you look at their careers from the time, not all time, but from the time Cam Newton came into the league until now, and you compare how many sacks the two of them had, the sacks aren't all that different, but the amount of yards given up by sacks, there's almost a thousand yards difference between the two of them. Um, it's just some of that has to do with the, the football IQ. You kind of hope that Cam Newton recognizes his body is not going to hold up and he yeah. needs to make some adjustments to try and keep himself in the game. And I think if he can do that, New England has become a pretty interesting team going into the season. Whereas before, you're like, is it a rebuilding season? Belichick, McDaniels can turn a ball boy into a superstar. So maybe they're fine, but it really puts them into the conversation as the best in their division. Yeah, and I, I I don't really see the the injury part as much as I think everyone else does. Um, I mean, to be fair, yeah, he's been injured, but that doesn't mean he's not capable of a comeback. I mean, right. did we forget that Peyton Manning had a had a neck surgery and came back and a couple of seasons later, like, you know, won back-to-back AFC championships and won a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Uh, Kurt Warner had a disastrous few seasons after their Super Bowl uh, with the Rams, and he experienced a rebirth with the Arizona Cardinals. Andrew Luck took such a beating that – you know, his comeback was highly touted before it even happened. And then he retired because of those injuries. Right. So what's all this BS surrounding Cam's injury history, right? Like, yeah, he has, he's had surgery on his throwing shoulder. Right. But so, I mean, so have quarterbacks like big Ben, for example. Yeah. Um, Like. Even if he's half of what he was Mm -hmm. half of what he was in 2015 as an MVP, that ceiling is a hell of a lot better than the Mm -hmm. Patriots with a guy like Jared Stidham. Yeah, I think the only thing that differs between him and the other guys in your list is that he is a true mobile quarterback. So he subjects himself to more and more damage. Those guys just wore down over time and a lot of their injuries, other than Andrew Luck, who who was, I'll call him a mobile quarterback. He he got banged up quite a bit moving around the pocket and trying to, make, trying to extend plays. But a lot of those other players, I mean, a lot of those other quarterbacks, longevity in their career just ultimately ended up catching up to them and they were able to extend their careers by coming back after successful rehabs. The difference being is that Cam Newton constantly puts himself into positions where he's getting hurt. A lot of those quarterbacks who had contact. Yeah. A lot of those quarterbacks who went on to have surgery and rehabs did so well into their thirties. Cam Newton just turned 31 and he's already been banged up a lot. So I think and I've said this early on. We can go back and listen to earlier podcasts when we were talking about Patrick Mahomes. I think if you compare the modern mobile quarterback to the true pocket passers, the Aaron Rodgers kind of flirts with both of those because he likes to extend plays, but you're starting to see him get banged up a little bit. When you start looking back at you know the, the Kurt Warners, the Peyton Mannings, the, the, the true guys who would sit in a pocket and just take what the Sling defense it. would give you, um, the longevity was so, so much longer that I think you're starting to see, and Cam Newton is sort of like on the forefront of a lot of what this movement has become. Uh, him, Russell Wilson, uh, Michael Vick, a lot of those guys, I mean, 
there was some overlap between those. A lot of those guys are sort of the pioneers in what this mobile quarterback system looks like. But I think you're starting to see what that looks like over a long period of time. You take another 250-pound man and have him smash off of my body 16 weeks out of the year, and my body's not going to hold up as well as someone who maybe takes half the hits, you know, throughout the entire course of the season. Um, I know people are going to compare Brady and whatnot. I mean, if you look at just the last 16 games that they both played, the numbers are pretty comparable. Some of them even favor Cam Newton. Uh, Ooh, pa- don't say that out loud on this know, podcast. I know, people, I know. People in Gillette are going to be mad. They all want to go, boo, Cam. Don't, know, Cam, don't hit him with the stats. This, it's not going to work well for you guys. We gotta, we now they go. win 10 games and win the division. Right. I know I know they they don't really matter. We've established that. But we gotta we gotta scratch the surface a little bit. Um completion percentage leans Cam Newton. Uh we have the passer rating leads Cam Newton. Areas where they don't is drastically different though, where he's thrown almost twice as many interceptions. These are the same, and you're also comparing a 31-year-old, or well, a 30-year-old at the time to a 41-year-old at the time, so it's drastically different. When you start extending back and you go career stats, it's not even close. And before anybody even starts complaining about Tom Brady's arm, average yards per completion are the same. In fact, the longest pass, uh, the longest touchdown pass actually favors Tom Brady by about seven yards at an actual 99 yards. Um, granted, some of that's playmaking, blah, blah blah, whatever. But it goes to show that uh, throwing the ball, they're both very similar. Um, there is a very, very big difference between the two if you look back overall in their career. Just from if we exclude anything from 2011 before Cam was in the league, uh, it's still drastically different. If you go all time, it's not even close. You're comparing yeah. arguably the greatest quarterback of all time against a really good quarterback. So that's not fair. But if we talk about like from the start to now, that's been brutal. Not even not even close. But if we look at the last sixteen games with the aging of Tom Brady, the dropping off of some of that skill set, which pains me to say it, which is why I was okay with him moving on. The end was near and I'd rather see New England move on. Oh, they move on success. Um while I'm not the biggest fan of him, I think a little bit of a prima donna. I think he's a little bit more into his own self-image than he is the idea of being part of a football team. It'll be very interesting to see how he fits into the Patriots. I know the Patriot way might be dying as we know it. I think as Belichick gets closer and closer, he's starting to, to retirement. He's now starting to sound a little bit like the old man on his or yelling at the kids on his lawn. Um, it's really hard to argue with success, but when you see franchises yeah. like the 49ers having success, Kansas City having success, who don't necessarily adhere to that same sort of mindset. I mean, they're all very short in their overall success. Let's see, over the course of 20 years, whether they decide to like reel it in a little bit, it's really hard to say. You've had success for 20 years, you're doing it wrong. Obviously, that's not the case. Exactly. But, um, we'll see. We'll we'll see. How, I think we're, we're going to notice. We're, we're going to start seeing an evolution in the Patriots, and next year is going to be sort of the first glimpse into what they may look like. But they may be sort of, you know, very very different than what we've expected over the last twenty plus years. 
I mean, look, right. He's not even a projected day one starter for the Patriots right now. That's Jared Stidham who played in one game last year and was two for four for 14 yards uh, for three and a half yards on average mm-hmm. with an interception and a sack right. and a quarterback rating of 0.1. So I think you guys will be fine. And I think Cam will probably take the starting job, you know, once he knows the system, right. When they get into camp and everything, um, Bill has always found a way to work his magic with your, with the backup QBs that, that everyone has had. Um, to, to try and squeeze other talent of, right. With like Jacoby Brissett or, yep. you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, even Brian Hoyer, right. Like how, how in the world, like how, how in the world has that guy not popped? Right. Like yeah. know, even Matt Castle way back, way back in the day. So I, for one, I'm excited to see, you know, how Belichick yep. and uh, Josh McDaniels and Cam all mesh together. Um, and if Patriots fans, you know, think about players with maybe uh, attitude issues, maybe they forgot about Randy Moss or, yep how other players have come to the team and sort of really just kind of squashed that yeah. down and, and then made it like LeGarrette Blunt, right? So yep. Pete, New England is where attitudes go to die and where winning culture, you know, rises up from the ashes. So it's all about winning there. And personally, mm-hmm. I'm like, go get them, Cam. And yeah. also, oh my goodness, week two, they're, they're traveling to Seattle. And I thought Seattle was going to mop up with Jared Stidham in the lineup. And now knowing that Cam Newton might be in there, just if you want to watch a, a really good game that's heart wrenching, go back and watch the 2015 season where Cam Newton drove the Panthers down the field and with 30 seconds to go delivered a touchdown strike to Greg Olson, stunned the Seahawks. And oh, I don't want to repeat of that game, and I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> that that will be an interesting change, though. He doesn't have Olson. He doesn't have Gronkowski. So you don't have that like get out of jail free card. So yeah, I mean. Like I said, Belichick could have marched the ball boy out behind the center and they would have found some form of success. So they'll find a way to fill that gap. And I think Cam Newton being on the team makes him a pretty attractive option for anybody who might be looking to make changes. So as much as uh, I may not be a Cam fan in general, I'm really looking forward to the season. You're not a Cam fan yet. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. If I can give Baker Mayfield, if I can give everybody including Baker Mayfield. If I can give Baker the benefit of the doubt, I, I can find a way to squeeze a little benefit for Cam Newton. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be, fine. It'll, it'll be good. Cam Newton, New England Patriot. The the Buffalo Bills, who thought this was finally their year, guess what? It's not. You have to wait another year. Oh, poor guys. Let's go. Look, COVID-19 positive tests are continuing to pop up across the league, and it's convincing some players to opt out. Uh, for the Major League Baseball, Mike Leak, who's writing a picture of the Diamondbacks, Ryan Zimmerman and Joe Ross of the Nationals, and Ian Desmond of the Rockies are just some of the players that are opting out. Uh, most are giving up anywhere from league minimum, which is around $740,000, up to $5.5 million or more. Uh, that's what they're forfeiting in the season. And some players, like Leak, for example, um, he has an $18 million club option for 2021 which has a buyout clause of, of five million so really he's only losing five hundred thousand. which i mean when you say he's only losing a certain amount and it's half a million dollars it's, it's still a lot right yeah. um some people's you know free agency has been pushed out and uh desmond in an instagram post yesterday said he's opting out because he has a desire to be with his family his wife is pregnant with their fifth child and his angst as a biracial man over the racial injustice that's going on right now. So he said he's going to use the time off to work on reviving youth baseball in his hometown of Sarasota, yep. Florida. 
And, you know, hats off to them. Like COVID is going to continue to do what it wants to do, whether or not uh, sports is, is up and running. And there's nothing wrong with opting out for like the health of your family. Um, yeah. Obviously COVID is bigger than sports right now. And if the people decide to use this time constructively, I can appreciate that. And sporting news had that. Yeah. I, I think one thing that kind of gets lost in the over politicizing of COVID is the impact it actually has on people's lives. And I think because professional sport, uh, professional athletes get paid so much money, we tend to completely negate the fact that they are actual people with real families and people who have various health concerns. Uh, and then furthermore, we tend to exclude any sort of personal life that they may have outside of sports. A lot of these players are from a lot of different backgrounds, you know, Leagues like the MLB have a lot of black players. They have a lot of Dominican players. They have players from all over the world. When you start seeing some of these things happen, we tend to forget that they're part of it, whether they want to be part of it uh, just because of their race. Um, Or even if they make a big enough contract. It doesn't necessarily mean that because you've waved your wand and they're a professional sports player that – whatever problems they had growing up or systemic yep. issues they had to face are just gone. That's a fallacy. Yeah. It's, it's not true. Yeah. I mean, you hear countless stories of people who make millions and millions of dollars living in a gated community because they think it's the best fit for their family are then subjected to their own forms of racism by their neighbors because they happen to be the only, you know, non-white person in their entire community. So nobody's free of it. Um, commend all of them for willing to say, hey, look, I'm going to forgo millions of dollars to help not only extend this conversation, but to see if I can help make some changes and kind of reflect on what this means for my family. Um, If you look at it from a fiscal perspective, they are huge taxpayers. They pay more in taxes than the average person by a very, very large margin. And if they're not feeling fully supported by the country they live in. I mean, why would you continue to take in income that you then have to pay out if you're feeling like it's not a reflection on what your needs are and yep. whether those needs are being met? Um, and with, with the COVID thing, you're, you're seeing it more and more now where there's been large, I mean, entire states that have just sort of neglected it that are now really trying to get in front of this thing and it's almost already too late. And... If you look at how many people have died because of it, if you look how many people have been sick because of it, the, the scare is there enough that if someone says, hey, look, man, this is at the end of all of this, at the end of our podcast, at the end of every game, at the end of every season, this is just a game. It's a very popular game. All of all of them, no matter what league you're looking at, they're all just games. They're very entertaining, which is why they make as much money as they do, which is why we pay them as much as they do. But at the end of it, it's just a game. And if you're looking at your family and saying, you know what, I'm concerned about your health and your well-being, but I'm going to put my desire to play this game for people who are going to pay me a ton of money over your health and the risk of putting you in jeopardy, kind of a shitty take, part of my yeah. language. Yeah. But you gotta, you can't fault them. Whether whether you think COVID is made up or whether you think it's a big deal, it doesn't matter because it's not you having to make that decision. I think if anything, 
the importance it puts on something like COVID where someone's willing to say, you keep your hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars, I'm gonna go take care of my family, should speak volumes to how serious some people are taking this, which I, I can't necessarily disagree with. Yeah, not at all. The Oakland Athletics are allowing fans to pay for cardboard cutouts of themselves to be placed in foul ball areas. If they catch a ball, i.e. if they get hit, then the athletics will actually send the person a real ball back. And the prices range from $49 for members-only access to $89 for non-member access to $129 for foul ball seating area. And all the proceeds from this endeavor are going to local charities, right? And not only are the A's doing it, but the Giants have also joined in this endeavor. They're, you know, they're Bay Area uh, enemies. And in the A's case, the fans are going to be sitting next to former team players and local celebrities. So that means for $89, Tim, you can take a photo of yourself and you can send a request and say, look, I'd like to sit next to that guy that was rookie of the year, did a lot of steroids, and then was more famous than another baseball team. His name mm-hmm. rhymes with McGuire. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. you could put me next to him in the stand so I can get a selfie with him. Uh, <laughs> or maybe a foul ball. Like Maybe I just happened to come out there like, come on. This, this yeah, is yeah. crazy. But I, I think it's really good. And I, I got to give props to the athletics for, for actually saying, we're going to have fans in the stands. We're not going to go the uh, the soccer route where, where they just digitally put in all the fans. Although, yes and no. I have to applaud the creativity. I'm going to give a little golf clap. <laughs> However, if I can't pay to sit next to a cardboard cutout of Brad Pitt from the movie Moneyball, I'm not buying it. I personally think it's very creative. It's a great idea. I think it's going to turn into nothing but a meme generator. Because you're going oh, to take, yeah. first of all, who's going to be the person that's cutting out a hundred cardboard cutouts of people who's, who are sending in their Facebook photos where they're like, you know, Hey, can you crop out this family member and just put me here with my glove? <laughs> you know, I or, think it, you get a letter back and it's like, uh, hello, Tim, we noticed you were in a photo with Sam. Uh, you're not a member. So that's an extra $89. If you guys want to sit together. Yeah. <laughs> I um, it's I can't I can't help but laugh at it because I think it's everyone's trying to get creative. You're trying to generate money as much as you can in any way that you can, and I can't I can't, I can't even get through it. Uh, I don't fault them for it, but yeah. you're telling me you're gonna make a bunch of cardboard cutouts and then you're gonna put them out sitting in the sun for nine innings and have players <laughs> have a full squad of players playing in hopes that a ball just lands like what does it like if it bounces off your cardboard body do you get to keep the ball or does yeah, it have I, to I land in like a hole is, yeah. what you're gonna end up knows. having is a bunch of gambling degenerates who are like all right give me all of section 28 they're gonna get a ball and they're gonna go on ebay and they're gonna sell a 2020 covid ball for like five thousand dollars <laughs> just so you can have a part of history the year where there was no baseball i <laughs> i think yep so here's a here's the meme you're going to have soccer or sorry european football with weird fans just kind of doing this weird little side-by-side movement like they do in fifa with a, a weird clap every few seconds and then you're just going to cut to just a f- picture of a bunch of weird glare off of a bunch of glossy cardboard cutouts yep. of dads oh, and their kids sitting next to weird players and then a bunch of baseball players playing in front of it i think about it think about it how cool would that be right the, the a's are playing the red sox and you're like you, you you take a photo of you and your uh 
and your son or daughter, right? You're in your Red Sox gear. Maybe you flip the bird, see if they catch it. Maybe you don't. And then when they're playing against the athletics, they're just a whole bunch of Red Sox jerseys like in the stadium. I, I, I'm cool with that. I want to see some of the, the, the photos though, right? Because like when they go to TV timeout, they're going to pan the crowd. There's going to be someone making weird faces. There's going to be someone doing something inappropriate that's going to get through and that's going to make it onto to TV. It's, it's, it's going to be bad. It's when I wish I was a millionaire. There's lots of times where I wish I was a millionaire. Um, driving in traffic and someone cutting you off is one of those times because I would love yep. nothing more to just rear end them and be like, oh, sorry, here's your insurance payment. <laughs> But that's another one because I would go and just say, I want to buy all of the right field section and I want them all to be me. Every single yep. one of them. I don't even care. I <laughs> keep your foul balls. I want all the home run balls. Just my face in a hundred different poses. And I'll stand there and pose a hundred different times. So you have different <laughs> different looks and feels. And I want all of them out there. And each one uh, I want a different color shirt. Yeah, that that would that would be great. Yeah, I'm it's, down with that. We, we should we should strongly look into doing this. Uh, we need a sponsor from, you know, some sort of cardboard company, but we're in. Yeah, Let's do yeah this. we're definitely in. But you know what? For every poster you want to pay for, you can put your logo right across my chest, front and center. <laughs> that sounds like a great deal. Uh, well, if we're talking about good things in baseball, we got to talk about bad things in baseball. And today, uh, minor league baseball officially went kaputs for the 2020 season. Uh, the minor league canceled the season which effectively furloughed thousands of players and tens of thousands of staff at stadiums across America that really are responsible for keeping the sport going. Many of the top prospects are finding their ways onto the 60-man taxi squads, which will allow them to kind of get called up uh, if in need. But, Tim, this is, a, this is a dark, dark day for minor league baseball. Yeah, this isn't uh, – it's not good. It's not good. In a – in the era where baseball is declining, I thought minor league baseball was the only thing that was really continuing to draw audiences. Um, you know, you and I are both from Maine. I caught as many Sea Dogs games as I possibly could. They were just, it was just so much fun to go and watch some of these games. And the fact that they no longer exist this season. And to make matters worse, there's the risk that they may no longer continue after this season because that is a lot of lost revenue uh i you know i'm no statistician or or financier but i can imagine losing an entire season of funds whilst also plotting out contracts is going to be pretty brutal um yep. i haven't looked into how the taxi squad payout's going to be but i know i don't i don't even know if they get paid unless they get called up i know MLB came up with, or not the MLB, sorry, but most of the minor league teams came up with a stipend of $400 to carry people through the end of July, and then that's it. Um, yeah. There are a couple things to be said on that side, though. Minor leaguers historically have never made a ton of money. Uh, I know a lot of them live in other people's homes. Uh, I know there were lots of programs where you sort of adopt a minor leaguer where they live with you throughout the season. Uh, I know there are places in Portland that offered um, smaller rent for some of the Sea Dogs minor league players. Part of it was just to say that they lived there. So I, I, I know they're not millionaires by any means. Sure, prospects got paid a little bit more. Um, but what's more discouraging for me is sort of what 
happens down the road. You're already starting to see some of the effects of what's going on. There are more than 40 teams that are already going to lose their affiliation, which means if they want to continue on, they're no longer associated with a major league team, which pretty much is, you know, that the Grim Reaper coming in because nobody's yep. going to go play for, I mean, you will have players who will go play for a team that's not associated with a minor league team, just trying to keep that open dream alive. But the farm squad for most major league teams is three to four. If, you know, we talked about this a couple podcasts ago, some, some big time major league squads have four or five, maybe even more minor league teams to have a couple of those just go away. It's going to be the end of those. And I know this is going to be the end of a lot of different businesses. And I know a lot of businesses are feeling sort of the pinch from this, but there's something about going to a baseball game. There's something about going to a minor league game. They're inexpensive. The food's inexpensive. Uh, you're rooting for your legitimate home team. It's not like being from New England and rooting for the Red Sox or being from you know the giant state of New York and rooting for the, the Yankees or the Mets. This is literally the... I live in Portland, and this is the Portland Sea Dogs. Regardless of where these players go, they're, they're from Portland. Um, I think it's a really, really unfortunate thing. I'm sad to see it. My son is a, a big baseball fan, and knowing that some of the teams around here probably won't make it and I won't have local games to bring them to is pretty disheartening. Yeah, and it's, it's especially disheartening when you take a look that uh, baseball was – we, we talked about it, whether it's a, an American pastime or not, but it's so akin to what American culture has sort of grown up to be. Um, it's synonymous, like with like apple pie and and baseball, right? It, it just seems to kind of go together and having a burger and a, and, a, and a crappy beer, like just watching some local hometown hero sports like that. That really was for a lot of people, like one of the things that got them involved in the sports and kept them there. So uh I'm sure a team like the Sea Dogs will will probably make it out relatively unscathed, but I, I think that there's probably a lot of teams across America, especially of those 40, that um, th- those are 40 cities that are losing uh, like a mm-hmm. piece of their history, and yeah. and, and that's tough. Yeah, um, I know. I mean, we're lucky enough where we followed a, a minor league team who was part of a big franchise. They were associated with the. The Marlins early on, and then for a large portion of the time, they were associated with the Red Sox. So, Euclid, um I don't know if Pedroia played for a little a little while. Hanley Ramirez played. Ellsbury, I mean, there were, Ellsbury played. Uh, there was a lot of big-name talent that came through Portland that we got to see up close and personal. At, and there are players when you watch a minor league game where you recognize that, oh, this person is going to go and do great things. And the fact that that's in jeopardy is, is, is pretty bad. I, I think of all sports, MLB is going to feel the COVID shutdown the most, not only for their own major league status, but the effect it's having on the people and the growing of the game that was happening with younger audiences that could go and see, you know, three tickets for $20. It's very different than a $50 Red Sox ticket to sit in the nosebleed section and get sunburned all day. Yep. I think it's, I hope, I hope not. I hope COVID causing the shutdown and more people being in a, well, 
apparently nobody's at home anymore because the weather's nice but for those who are choosing to stay home a little bit more i'm hoping some of them are hoping to tune into baseball and help make up for some of this but i'm worried about mlb in the, in the, the long term as a result of all this yeah for sure it's definitely been uh, a couple of one-two punches that i think a lot of people probably thought were jabs but they're really like haymakers to an industry that probably was not at the too big to fail level but i would say close and now you're taking a look like first it's going to be 40 teams then it's going to be maybe players contracts go down and, and for a yep. league that's already had times that that it's found difficulty in recruiting and keeping the fans and and, and just attracting talent this, this certainly doesn't help so oof, it's bad this week's big ticket the national basketball association is back people july 30th we're starting off with the doubleheader. uh let me go ahead and just save you from looking in your crystal ball because i'm gonna break it down for you here's the finals it's gonna be celtics lakers i think the celtics are gonna win unfortunately i think vegas uh has to semi disagree with you uh oh. the celtics out of the east are a large large favorite over the bucks but the bucks coming in second but vegas actually has the Clippers with a slight edge over the Lakers. Some of that has to do with some of the players opting to sit out. Um, some of it has to do with the Clippers' upswing in recent history. Uh, but at face value, I can't say I disagree. Go Celtics. Um, but I could see the, Lipper, the Clippers coming in and making a uh, little surprise cameo. Yeah, and, and I guess this is the confusing part, right? Uh, these these eight seeding games, not 80, not 18, eight, two less than 10. Uh, when you take a look at just the teams that are in the East, for example, right? Like the Bucks are six and a half games over the Raptors. The Raptors are another three games over the Celtics, right? So if you're one of these teams that's trying to fight for maybe the top two or three or four seed, like, if you don't go out there and win like the first five games, like it's pretty much over for you. There, there, there's not really going to be any different change. And for some of these teams in the, uh, in the East, for example, uh, just look down towards the bottom, the magic and uh, the wizards are 23 and 29 games back respectively. Uh, they could go eight. No, and it wouldn't, it really wouldn't matter. Uh, so you, you take a look at some of these storylines coming out. And I think that the eight seeding games is not really enough. I think we're going to see exactly what we, we want to see uh, this year, which is basketball, but I don't think we're necessarily going to get the best. Uh, I don't think there's a way the Wizards, you know, win all eight games and become the Cinderella story to make it all the way. No, For- and, the f- and the fact that one division is putting out 13 teams, the other division is putting out nine, and that's just currently where things stand. If enough players continue to opt out, whole teams will have to have no choice but to opt out. The whole thing to me just seems like a disaster money grab to just give people basketball. I get it. You want to recoup some form of money. Someone's obviously done the math and decided that with this amount of games, we're going to win or we'll come out on top. But how are you going to look back at this season and say that this season was a successful season? You're not even putting athletes in their best shape up against other athletes in their best shape you're putting some athletes who are in good shape and then others who have taken some extended time off and putting them up 
against the same nine teams or 13 teams in short succession it's just such a disaster i don't i really don't understand why they didn't just say look call the season what it was let's just award the awards for champion champion of the 2020 season to whoever had the best record points everything included and give it a big asterisk or cancel it and say hey this was the year in history where there wasn't a single award given for that season instead of this weird like mishmash because the season hasn't even started yet currently we are in a very very significant upswing in COVID cases, both confirmed and deaths and all of it, I can't imagine players as this continues on where they're going to go and play in a bubble in Florida, which has become one of the new epicenters for all of this stuff, and say, you know what? That's a good idea. I want to go play a portion of a season for a championship that's not going to matter in a playoff system that seems to be made up by 12-year-olds. I don't understand what's going on here. I can see players being like, oh, you know what? My grandmother's going to come to live with me, and I can't expose her to COVID, so I'm sorry I'm yeah. out. Also, it, pay me, also pay me my money. Uh, I mean, if we went by your uh, let's just give it to the person with a regular season record, then congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. This is your championship season. Uh, no. I'm okay with that. No, no, no. Nope. Nope. I'm not. Nope. Not at all. I need to see the Battle of Los Angeles. I need the 76ers uh, to give it to Ben Simmons and have him miss a three and lose a game. I need the Celtics mm-hmm. to figure their crap out. Oh, right? I, I, I need the Nets to sort of be like that uh, knight from Monty Python's Holy Grail where yep. like you just keep cutting his, his, his limbs off and he just keeps running around squirting all over the place. Like, <laughs> I mean, the Nets are already down like four or five of their top players. Like that, that is the replacement level team that's going to be out there. Like we need basketball. Um, but my goodness, this is, yeah, it's getting it's, I don't think you're going to get those and get any of that anyway. Like who's out there governing all these players saying, Hey, are you staying in healthy shape while you're locked inside for weeks on end? No. Do you know how many of these players who are, are just, it'll be interesting to see how many players are actually contemplating retirement after seeing what all this free time is like and i'm like holy cow what have i been doing killing myself Eh, week in and week out for teams that aren't going to compete and i know i'm not going to go elsewhere and get big contracts i love basketball they're i they're going to tell themselves i love the competition i love all of it but i just had three months of not having to answer to anybody other than a zoom call and could live on my own schedule I've made millions of dollars. The hell with this. It's not worth it. Um, Yeah, that that definitely could happen. I'm on the pessimistic side. If things continue COVID-wise the way that they have been, I don't even know if they'll have a season. I mean, this is such a mishmash attempt to put something together. I'm glad they tried to work it out. I'm glad that they made some form of an attempt you have two divisions that aren't even equal in the amount of teams that are going to get played. So then comes, I mean, how do you not make arguments against records because teams are playing each other more or playing each other less, or are they going to play the same amount of games? There are so many what ifs between what they're trying to trot out in front of everybody. I think you would just one, all of the financial costs that it's causing all of this, both 
from having your legal representatives there, having to pay people for all of these things, for something that may or may not even happen, and this is the best that you can trot out. I, I'm not here for it. I'm not the biggest basketball fan in general. I, I love playoff basketball. I watch every year. I watch every season. Regular season basketball doesn't appeal to me as much because I'm one of those that thinks turn the game on at minute one and the game on, you know, two hours into the game. Nothing has changed because it all comes down to the last two minutes of the game that runs for 45 minutes. Um, yep. So to have that same dynamic on top of this weird little system where at any point someone can be like, oh, you know what? Uh, my sister-in-law is coming to live with us and she had chicken box when she was little so she's exposed so i i'm just going to take the rest of the season off i don't think yep. it i don't think it makes much sense i think it's going to be a money pit one way or the other just rip the band-aid off call it a season let your players rest up a little bit and come back healthier rather than condense it into a shorter season demand top tier quote-unquote basketball for your players and then quickly roll them into a regular season hopefully next year nah let them take the let them take the year off uh mandate some sort of conditioning check-in to make sure people are making weight people are working out the way they're supposed to and then go into next season guns blazing everyone as healthy as they possibly can be and really put a lot of your marketing effort into next season. I can see the NBA saying, like, hell, turn the whole season into our healthiest season ever. Like, the comeback season. What I can think of a million different ways to phrase the marketing to drive dollars into next season without losing all the money you're losing now. Give players time off. Next year, if you do that, you can start restricting some of the load management because you just had half a year to do nothing other than get in shape, work out, get healthy. Boom. Go on to next I mean, season. The, the, the problem is right now, even as the NBA is hurtling towards this wide world of sports dream, uh, the Denver Nuggets had to close their practice facility after a few employees tested positive. 16 out of the 302 inbound players from the 22 teams tested positive, uh, and they're being quarantined. They can return to their squads once cleared by their team physicians. Uh, but, of course, you're in a bubble. You know what I mean? You do have, you know, medical assets that are that are by there, but it's not necessarily the same as, you know, yep. kind of when you're in your backyard. Um, notably, some NBA players that are opting out, Avery Bradley of the Lakers, Trevor Ariza of the Trailblazers, Davis Bertrands of the Wizards, Willie Cauley-Stein of the Mavericks, DeMarcus Cousins, um, who's a free agent right now, Wilson Chandler and DeAndre Jordan of the Nets. Uh, everyone has their own different reasons, right? So Ariza has a custody case over his son. He's committing to you know, one-month visitation window rather than rejoin the Trailblazers. Um, yep. And that you know, his team is three and a half games behind the Grizzlies for the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. But that's kind of a tall order with only eight games to go. Um, he's also, you know, amongst many other players who are thinking about their free agency. Uh, and Bertrands is set to become an unrestricted free agent. So he's going to sit out as a preventative measure, which we would sort of anticipate most people would do yep. uh, with contracts, right? Now, I mean, he has already suffered two previous ACL injuries. And let's be honest, the Wizards' playoffs chances, well – they're not zero. They're essentially zero as far as how deep they're going to make it. Yep. Uh, 
Avery Bradley not being there for the Lakers. I mean, as a former Celtics, like that, that's big for them, but he's understandably worried about the fact that his family um, and his son, Liam, who has a history of struggling to recover from respiratory illnesses yeah. uh, as committed as he is to playing the sport. He's not going to put his child's life in danger and you can't fault him for that. No. Um, there are just so many other things that are coming up. And if you, even if you take a look at the Nets, I mean, most of their team is out. You have Kyrie, you have KD. They're both not there. Now you have, uh, and this, and this is supposed to be their year. Oh, it's not, that's not going to happen. That's for Did- sure. Durant come uh, back, uh, all healthy and ready to go. Nah, not so much. It's, it's just, it's really, really bad. And, and Sporting News had that scoop right there with, with those player stories. So you really have to think that there's so much going on. But at the end of the day, if yep. the NBA is going to push this this season and however small it may be or, or what they want with it, like they, they're going to get those marquee matchups, right? So I think – whether or not we believe personally they should continue the season or not, we, you know, we have our opinions on that. But I think if we're going to talk about the season kind of getting back at the end of the month, which, you know, is a good return to normalcy for the sport, uh, you got to pay attention to these big games Clippers, Lakers, yep. Bucks, Celtics, like within the first mm-hmm. couple of days, boom, right off the gate. Uh, Jazz, Pelicans, we all want to see that. Bucks, Rockets, Bucks, Raptors, 76ers and Raptors, 76ers and Bucks. There, there are so many good storylines. Mm-hmm. from those games that it was like set up so they're actually trying but again it begs the question if you're not within four or five games of trying to make the next like seed is it really yeah. even worth it so then of course we got to think well let's take a look at the Celtics schedule and think how many games we think they can realistically win so their schedule pull it up here Bucks, Trailblazers, Heat, Nets, Raptors, Orlando Magic, Grizzlies and ending on August 13th with the Wizards. Mm-hmm. How many of those games do you think they win? At least half, if not more of those. Like, that yeah, is... I, I well, agree. It, I mean, it, it depends. Like, the Bucks are going to be tough. Portland could be tough. Miami, not so much. The Nets without half of their team, because they're down five players, uh, that's going to be a cakewalk. Toronto, not so much. Uh, Memphis maybe Washington could be a little bit of a challenge um, maybe it's like that team who has nothing left you know to fight for and it's sort of like a wounded animal you corner yeah. them and they pull and, one out and, and I think with this season of all seasons that tends to be a higher risk because you have quote unquote a shorter season um, you have teams that recognize, okay, instead of having to go out and play a full season and win a ton of games, all we have to do is grind out this few weeks to come up with something. And then at the end of this few weeks, all we have to do is grind out a couple short wins and we're a playoff contender and a championship contender. So it changes that dynamic. The other side of that, though, is how many of these players are in true basketball shape. Other than soccer players or European football players, NBA players run the most of any other team or any other sport. So if you're not in good shape and you weren't keeping up with any form of conditioning, it's going to show very, very early on. And it's going to take a little bit more than a couple weeks to get yourself geared up. So there's a lot of trust that has to be put into some of these players to come back in. But again, as we get closer to the season starting and even after the season starts, uh, an NBA roster is 15 players. If one person in that squad test positive for COVID, 
that's going to decimate the team. Do they have an action plan for what happens if a team has to sit out for 14 days, two weeks of this short-term season? Or what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to test them and see if they come back positive within a day. That's yeah. obviously not going to work because the it takes anywhere from you know two to six days or whatever for that to kick in. So that the, that team literally has to sit their players out for 14 days. And if you don't think going into Florida where they did flatten the curve, but the wrong direction, it's going to not happen inside their camp. That is the most ridiculous take I can imagine. Um, and that's not even arguing against like, the quality of tests. Like, just remove all that. That's not part of this conversation. The conversation is an NBA season, what the divisions are going to look like. You have a risk of blowing a team out for two weeks. What's the makeup for that? Do you have two weeks worth of makeup games you have at the end of the season? Nope. Those are immediately games that are probably chalked up to the loss section. There's yeah. Nothing about this happening makes any sense. Because even if you were to... Let's look at it from a different lens. Let's let's not look at it from a competitive standpoint. Let's not look at it from a financial perspective. Let's look at it from a truly personal health perspective. These players who are supposed to be at the top of their game are now charged with going into, because all of the states that they have named as potential places for professional sports to return, Texas, Arizona, Florida are now epicenters. All of the current outbreaks that we're seeing, you're asking athletes whose conditioning is at their prime to go in and perform at a high level. We don't know what the long-term effects of COVID are. We don't know what it does in terms of your body and your lungs and your ability to perform later on in life. It's already been shown that there is some permanent damage that's happened. Why are we willing to risk? And I get, I think this is the same approach we take with college athletes. We look at them as assets that are owned by an entity, that entity being the NBA and subsequently the teams that those players are signed to. You're asking players to go potentially put their long-term health at risk to play a sham of a season where it takes one person with a fever to blow up the entire thing. Oh, doesn't yeah. Even, Especially, it doesn't yeah, have to be a player. It can be like a ball boy. It could be someone on the medical staff. Anybody in that franchise spikes a fever of 99.9 and this whole thing goes down the drain because now an entire team and their support staff is wiped out plus i'm gonna have to assume it's whatever team they most recently played against oh for sure just even when rudy gobert um when he first tested positive after he touched mm -hmm. all the microphones right and then they pretty much stopped the game when it was going on uh you're you're gonna see things like that um with yeah. the fact that those eight seeding games take place over just a span of less than two weeks. Yep. Um, the minute someone becomes positive, like you said, th that team is pretty much SOL. And yeah. it, in a way, it would almost be better if they were just like, listen, the seating is the way the seating is going to be. Yep. You fly into Florida, you self-quarantine for 14 days. At the end of those 14 days, we test you. If you're positive, you don't touch the court. Yep. If you're not, Cool. You go in your practice. You get tested every single day. You continue to get tested. Instead, what we're doing is we're flying people. We're rushing into things. We're saying, mm -hmm. hey, play these eight games because we want to get something. And then we're going to go into the playoffs, which 
as a best of series, a best of seven series continues to go on throughout the process, your immune system is going to what? Yeah. Probably break down a little bit, probably make you more, a little bit susceptible to yep. maybe catching one of these things. And you can have these, these tech rings like the Ura rings that are all using that show their temperatures and all these, you know, uh, bio scans or, or the whoop vans like we talked about last week. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. your capital, your capital, the players, they're, they're so important to you. Yep. And you just seem to be rolling the dice on them, hoping you're going to get seven. And I just, I want basketball to be back, but I want them to be smart about it. And I don't yep. feel that eight games is going to make any hair's worth of a difference, a snowball's yep. chance in hell at making the Celtics, for example, catch the Bucks, at making yep. the Lakers catch the Clippers. Or, or vice versa, whoever it is. Yeah, maybe some of those lower-seeded teams is going to make a difference for them. But to be honest, it's not worth the risk whatsoever. Nah. And we're just plowing right ahead. And I, yeah. I just – it's none of, it, none of it makes any sense. As a sports fan, I want to see it more than anything because I would love to just sit down and watch anything right now. I'm basically watching all the golf I can, all the MMA and boxing that I can. Um but for me, it just doesn't like. What does this do for any of the New York teams? I mean, literally nothing. You are doing nothing but shooting yourself in the foot because the this was supposed to be the year of the Nets. Nobody came in with that much confidence, but unfortunately, sports fans have really short-term memories. And if the season happens, all fans are going to look back and see that this season for the the Nets was a failure because they're out all of their big marquee players very few teams come in with relative no names and turn into success the celtics is one of those um aside from bradley beal washington tends to be one of those that's that's always kind of in the conversation with teams that aren't constantly blowing up the sports center top 10 um but this season being different than all the other seasons, I think it's just nothing about it to me makes sense in its current format. And I think something we say all the time, we've said it, I think at least two times in the last four episodes, the product you were about to put out in public display is going to be such a small portion of what that product should be that I think it's not going to do any favors. You're going to have a bunch of people who aren't, I mean, you don't have people in the stands. You're going to have people who are going to tune in because there's nothing else to do, but you're not going to have people who are going to seek out a two-hour basketball game that has no meaning. And I know you could say because it's a condensed schedule and because all the games are important, every game matters. I can already see the marketing. Every game matters. They don't. Until like game five. Yeah. <laughs> and then once once you know that the one, two, and the three seeds won their first four games because they tried, Yeah, uh, it's over. Yeah, and then you're going to have a bunch of teams that are going to take off part of the what is the season because it doesn't make sense because they've already secured their spot uh, or they've set themselves up for like a couple of late season wins that they can pretty much bank on. It's just, nah, it's crap. It's all crap. Cut them loose. Let them, let them have the season off. Mandate some sort of workout restrictions where you either have to report in daily to show keep the same bands that keep track of your heart rate, keep track of your blood pressure, keep track of all that stuff, but use it as a way to show what you're doing in regards to workouts. 
that's a different way to reallocate that resource to show that your players are making the effort to come back better, stronger, and in shape next season um, versus trotting them out on the, the court now and, and just hoping for the best. Just It's, it's a money grab. That's all it is. It it's is. A money grab. It, they're, they're essentially taking the spaghetti and throwing it against the wall and saying, look, it sticks. Eh, it might, but uh, part of me thinks it's probably going to bounce right back off. So yeah, we're excited, I guess, in a way that, uh, like I, I said, you know, sports, normalcy, all that. But um, I think we're going to know probably by like August 6th or 7th uh, the quality of basketball um, and then what effect it's going to have. Plus, mm-hmm. if you think Woj is not already dropping all these Woj bombs about things are going on behind the basketball scenes, the amount of news we're going to get about potential COVID positive tests in different camps from unnamed sources is going to be wild. It's going to be all over the place. And that's going to take away from the end product. Yeah. I, uh, I won't rest until we get Woj on this podcast to give us the news himself. Adrian Wojnarowski, if you're listening, we need you to come on the Stats No Matter podcast. Yeah. We don't know. We, we have no connection to you whatsoever, but you should, you should come on. (laughs) as always it's our favorite part of the show what's in my cup and this week tim i have this incredible 32 ounce steel can right here from outland farm brewery in pittsfield maine brand new brewery up there uh they're chilling just doing their thing and i was fortunate enough to get this pale lager called h-o-m-e right nice play on the main thing right there uh 5.4 percent just freshly canned a couple of days ago. Uh, I'm not going to say how we got down here, uh, but it is definitely not doing the required 14-day <laughs> quarantine for being out of state. And I am super excited to crack into this baby. So here we go. Uh, this week, I am drinking for the first time I've ever had it. Uh, very, usually, I'd just say very green, but uh, it's spelled green with a lot of G's in it uh, <laughs> it's a 8.3 double uh standard ipa treehouse uh, if you're not familiar with it you have been living underneath a rock because they have been sort of pioneering the new england ipa for a long time they're up there with the trilliums of the world they're up there with the bissell brothers are you know clawing on their heels a lot of the big names um treehouse has sort of been their big inspiration if you ever get a chance to get up to their new facility it is amazing um even if you're not a beer drinker the facility itself is just a cool spot to go and hang out uh the operation has ran incredibly well um as far as getting in there's always a line because it's some of the most sought after beer you'll find but they're pretty good at managing lines uh and the beer um i do think it tends to suffer a little bit from kind of blending together kind of like other half and monkish and a lot of these where it sounds like or it tastes kind of like the same beer but with different labels um but when you get a chance to try it you really got to try it uh, yeah. this one's made with australian and american hops dry hopped all the hell <clears throat> very citrusy very tropical give it a go yeah I feel like sometimes too, right? Like you have some of the companies like flagship beers and it's kind of what they put out anyways. And some of them probably do meld together. Um, yep. and you have like a beer like King Julius and then you're just like, wow. Yeah. What the hell and, that? For, and for anybody who doesn't know, Treehouse uh, 
they have variations of the same beers they have sort of lines um green is one of their staples it's been one of the beers they put out for a long time um very green is sort of the big brother to that and then it all sort of transitions you have uh, alter ego and doppelganger you have julius and then king julius it's all of the all of the names that sound like other beers are because they are the big brothers to those beers and this in very much in the same vein as green uh it's got that same sort of piney citrusy flavor that you normally find in a, a new england ipa but um it's actually a touch sweeter and a little bit smoother and it's a little bit more softer if anybody's out there for the mouthfeel it is um i'd say i would put that in the top four beers top three beers i've had from treehouse well check that out that's pretty good i got i tell you crushing this this pale lager over here and i can pretty much taste like just the crisp main air with Mm. some nice wheat chaff oh it is really good (laughs) i feel like lagers are so hard to make these days and people aren't doing them for the most part so you get a chance to support your local places you got it 100 so tim that's it it's episode six it's in the books um Mm -hmm. We're so sports. we are so close. We are so close to actually being able to talk about sports. It pains us that we started a podcast when there was no sports, but we're this close. We figured by the time it hits, we will hopefully have hit our stride. Yeah, we should be so good. And for all the golf fans, Tim just you know admitted that his golf wasn't a sport, even though we talked about it two weeks ago. So I guess all these pods that we've been discussing. Uh, golf and NASCAR on. Don't listen to Tim. Th- those are our real sports, but maybe maybe not to maybe not whoa, to him. Whoa, 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 I never said they weren't real sports. I said those are the only sports we have available to us at the moment. Uh, I will watch any round of sport. Uh, any round of sports. I will watch any round of golf. I can get my eyes on. However, it is tough to compare four days of golf to two hours of grinding athleticism by basketball football uh yeah we'll say baseball i'm a big baseball yeah. fan so it hurts me to say that but i will watch three hours of baseball in one sitting and know that that's it you move on that's what it is versus i'm gonna start on thursday and on sunday let's uh let's see where this ends up yeah so and you you, you brought up a couple weeks ago like uh the European soccer not having fans in the stands, but yeah. like the digital stuff. I actually yep. caught uh, a bit of a soccer game the other day. I don't know if it was a Premier League game or a, a Champions League, but I saw the digital <laughs> fans in the stands. I was like, yeah. "Whoa, this!" Uh, yeah. My eyes twitching. I'm like, "This is this is not that good." But you know, it's yeah. their credit. The players when they scored, um, you could hear them like yelling at each other on the sidelines. Like it was neat. Yeah. It was sort of one of those behind the scenes things, uh, but it was awkward to say the least to see a whole bunch of pixelated people in the stands. <laughs> yeah. like come on this is the year 2020 like fifa you got fifa money you, you can't tell me that's the best and computer they, graphics yeah that you have. they they all kind of look like those characters that you had on the little i'm gonna date myself here because my dad gave me one but the old uh football vibrating games that they used to have where if you are under the age of i don't know 30 you have no idea what i'm talking about um and some people my own age don't but back in the day they used to have these this board game where you would set up your football team and they all look like weird blobs in the the vague form of a player and when you hit the on switch the metal sort of (laughs) 
rattled on the top and players would move around in very <laughs> indiscriminate like nondescript patterns holding a little cotton ball um that's kind of what the stands look like in uh fifa where they all just sort of move a little bit and they look like they're cheering and you kind of get the idea of what they're supposed to be but you know they're not. So it takes about two minutes before you realize that I'm not watching people before you just completely... You can't even ignore them. You just see them, and that's all you can pay attention to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe uh, within the next week, we'll see... Uh, there should be some players after the 4th of July weekend you know, coming to uh, camp. The NFL should have camps towards the end of the month. So in yep. the next few weeks here, things should be kind of getting back to normal, but... Uh, I mean, I got to tell you, Tim, after seeing UFC for the past few weeks, I think that's something we definitely have to discuss here in the future. Uh, yep. They are they are definitely taking it and running with it. They've had some positive tests, but for the most part, they put out some some good product. Um, yep. And I think we have to take a look at the next evolution in, in how we deal with sports uh, in a bubble because I think right now there are certain teams that are doing it very, very, very well, and there are yep. other teams that are just – Oh boy. It's like you give them the test and the answers and they can't. Yep. Top. They top couldn't cheat is, if they wanted to. Yeah. Top rank or boxing in general is another one that's making some, some pretty solid moves. I think combat sports in general is kind of figuring it out. I've seen some of the scheduling for uh, the travel restrictions. You have to be there, you know, a couple weeks ahead of time. You get tested when you arrive, you get tested when you check in, you get tested when you leave, you go to the venue, you get tested at the venue. It's, it's, pretty strict um i know mma is taking it to a whole different level where they're sort of formulating their own islands they can control all the incoming and outgoing um which which is cool to see but we've already started seeing some of the negative impacts of not having fans where you can hear the the commentators who are basically analyzing your fight for the general public uh and you can you know take into account the things that they're saying boxing is kind of going that same way where the commentators are literally ringside they have to be in order to see what's going on um for me personally i think those are two that were kind of rushed back a little early sure it's giving people something fun to watch um is it the best product you would get otherwise who knows we've already seen some big mma fights that were uh switched up last minute because someone or someone in their camp tested positive for covid so you're kind of in that in that same boat you're throwing down big money to watch a a pay-per-view and i know they're trying to you know save money and earn money like everybody else but if you're putting out a prize fighter and that prize fighter can't fight another prize fighter because they just tested positive for covid then it's a it's a different circumstance um Plus, you have fighters who get thrown in the ring on like 14 days notice because whoever was scheduled to go in couldn't make it. So yeah, it's an it's just interesting altogether. Um, and I'm glad to be doing what we're doing. I think uh, if people are listening. I'm thankful for every single one of them. Hoping, for sure. Shout out to the listeners. Yeah, you're I'm real ho- MVPs. I'm hoping that as things progress, uh, you know, everyone kind of starts figuring their stuff out a little bit and becomes a little bit more reliable when it comes to sports in general. But it's a weird time. It's a weird time. I don't know how I feel about it. We talk about it every week, but I hope for the best. I hope for the health of everybody involved. And that goes to the listeners, too. We hope you guys are, yeah, you know, you're safely consuming our product uh, wherever you may be. If you're in Florida, you're about to have a lot more free time. So for sure. 
we got a couple other podcasts before this feel free to take a listen <laughs> yes indeed all right episode six is in the books uh who knows what the next week of sports is going to bring us I think that we've seen there isn't a way to predict. Um, and we know we'll definitely have content to talk about. So yep. keep it locked and keep downloading and subscribing. Thanks to all of you who have done it so far. Thanks, everybody. Take care.